Hello, I'm Zev Neuwirth, and welcome to Creating a New Healthcare, a podcast series for healthcare leaders who are interested in fresh perspectives, new ideas, bold solutions, and a renewed sense of meaning and purpose in their journey to advance patient-centered, customer-oriented, value-based healthcare. Folks, the uh, views I express on this podcast are solely my own and do not represent the views of any other person or organization that I may be affiliated with. Today, we're going to be discussing uh, digital health, and um, I feel very fortunate uh, to have uh, an expert uh, here who is really uh, in, in the, in, uh, up to her knees or waist in this, uh, in this world and uh, going to provide us with some real-life uh, experience and real-life challenges when it comes to the implementation and deployment of digital health in a large integrated delivery network. We're fortunate to have Sarah, uh, Sarah Baezzi here with us. She is currently the uh, Chief Digital Strategy uh, Officer uh, for Providence uh, St. Joseph's Healthcare System. And uh, I'm gonna ask Sarah to say a few words about her background. Great, thank you, Zeb, for um, having me today. Uh, so I've been with Providence for just over a year now, um, since the beginning of 2016. I joined um, Providence after about five and a half years with a management consulting firm that's uh, provider side focused called the Chartist Group based out of Chicago. At, um, at Chartist, I focused on enterprise strategic planning and development of risk-based entities um, between payers and providers. And, um, and uh, since coming to Providence, I have been in my role, I've been focusing on four major areas, um, our digital planning and um, sort of alignment efforts across our four digital teams, which we can talk about in a little bit, um, both internally and with the rest of the organization. Uh, I've also been focusing on um, technology partnerships as well as uh, health partnerships with other health systems. And I also oversee our pilot program um, and tried to contribute to the extent that I can um, with to our thought leadership um, with respect to digital health as well. So, uh, Sarah, I, I, you know, in my introduction of you, I was trying to come up with the right metaphor for having your hands really in this. And it's clear with this experience you're in, you you really are, are in it and, and uh, living it. And so uh, I'm excited to hear what it's like to be at the front lines of the deployment of digital health. And, you know, the first thing that strikes me uh, about your, the work you're doing uh, at Providence is, um, is that it's more than just technology. And so let me, let me, there's so many questions that are, are popping into my mind and I'm sure the listeners as well. Uh, let me just start maybe by asking this. You're working, and and you you you've had this great consulting background, and so you know when you go into an organization, probably one of the first things you try to discern as a consultant is very specifically what problem the organization is trying to solve. Because if you don't do that, you're not you know you can come up with all kinds of solutions or deployments, but you're not going to have a customer that's satisfied. So, from your perspective, what do you see the the problem or the lack of solution, why, why are you and your colleagues and your division and Providence investing in this digital health 
domain? What are we trying to solve for? What are we trying to create? Can you just sort of step back with me before we jump into the solutions and the work itself? So I, I think that most fundamentally what we're trying to solve is how do we, whether it be with respect to delivering high value, you know, high quality, low cost care, um, or a better patient or customer or provider experience, how do we actually do that scalably um, and do it in a way that moves the needle as opposed to you know, in sort of um, dabbling around the edges or doing it in um, uh, in a in a way that doesn't have broad impact. I think that's that's what we're most fundamentally solving for, um, and 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 we're trying to do that through. And our team is trying to do that through digital tools, which we believe are. Uh, a path to scalability, and you know we've seen that play out with respect to technology companies that are operating at like hyperscaled um, uh, sorts of, uh, with respect to, or in comparison to what we would be doing in healthcare, like companies like Amazon, who, for instance, um, you know process millions and millions of transactions a day. That's hyperscale. We're trying to do thousands a day, but we still need those digital tools to do that in in a, in a scalable way. So it's it is uh, is the problem. There's there's one way to understand deployment and scalability as a challenge in and of itself. But to me, it sounds like you're saying uh, di the digital route is 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 fundamentally a more scalable approach than the current model, let's say analog models that we are using. Am I, am I capturing that or do you, is that right? Or would you modify that? I, I think it's, um, I think it's generally right though. I, I don't think it necessarily takes the place of what is being done um, in an offline way. It is a, it's a complement and an augmentation to what we've been doing, what health systems have traditionally been doing. And in some cases may take the place of it. For instance, we've seen that with um, care being deliver delivered via telehealth, um, but 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 in in large in large part, it's an augmentation. You know, well, it's kind of interesting you say that. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna have fun here with you, and I hope you don't mind. Um, uh, you know, because this is this is so important, and um, and you know, to understand this, I think is helpful. You know, you used the phrase a minute ago, and I love this. I never quite heard that this way. You used the phrase to describe sort of the legacy approach as offline and uh, therefore digital being online. And of course, we're used to the online terminology, but it just struck me when you said it as, you know, there's something profound about healthcare being online versus it being offline. And, you know, online, the connotations being plugged in, connected, viral, you know, um, I mean, this we live in an increasingly in an online world, uh, and there, you know, Amazon is one profound uh, you know example of that. That is ubiquitous. Uh, you know, transportation with Uber and Lyft are other examples. Uh, you know, again, communication and socialization with Facebook and and the professional side with LinkedIn. So increasingly, we are plugged in online. You know, connected in that way, and so. To reframe healthcare as online versus offline, I think is just a very, very interesting way of seeing it. And I, I, um, it seems like there are. And 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 to your point, I, you know, I don't I don't see this as an either or. And 
I think that a lot of physicians I've spoken to, and perhaps even myself uh, with a different hat on, you know, you could become somewhat defensive about the online uh, digital um, application and approach to healthcare. But I think the truth is uh, that, um, and the reality is, at least for the foreseeable future, that you're going to need experts and you're going to need people to drive that online care. And in fact, I suspect that um, that the enablement of this technology and being online will will actually leverage and enhance the value of the individuals who are actually providing care, the experts who have uh, the knowledge. I think it'll it'll you know make them much more effective and in, and I actually think much more valuable and to your point, much more scalable. So, what what are, what are some thoughts running through your head as you you kind of hear me kind of feedback what I'm hearing from you? I couldn't agree with you more. You know, we've so we've got we've built a a technology platform that powers a, a, sort of a suite of access options um, within Providence that we call Express Care. And Express Care is a combination of uh, retail clinics, some of which are embedded in our Walgreens stores, some of our Walgreens partnership stores, uh, some of which are um, freestanding. So we've got retail clinics, we have virtual visits, so it's the ability for a patient to um, see a provider via their smartphone or their mobile, um, you know, their tablet or their, their computer, and, and um, home visits, which is a summoning service that enables patients to call a, a provider to their home or their office or, um, you know, wherever they may be. And um, the technology stack that powers that uh, is what our, our group has built in partnership with our physician services organization that has sort of that owns a, that um, that suite of services. And um, what we've seen is that that method of com what we've done through through Express Care is combine offline retail, online virtual visits, and at home through a technology that that ties it all together seamlessly and and enables our our consumers, our patients to access care the way they want to, when they want to, how they want to, and um, and actually makes for a much better experience for them, which is I think what all providers want as well. And you know we've actually worked deeply with our provider organizations, our provider network, to demonstrate how much this actually creates a much better. Um, it, it also contributes to a much better relationship with our patients because they get their care immediately when they need it in a more convenient way and strengthens that bond. Um, so bringing together the online, the offline, and the and that and tying it back to the health system as a whole, integrating it has been really powerful. And um, you know, ultimately, when we've been able to tie it back to the value it brings to our consumers, that's been where um, where we've seen just. Um, Really great, uh, really great partnership with our with our provider network and with our patients as a whole. So you're not, at least in the example that you described, which I, uh, sounds really uh, amazing and wonderful, and um, you're not creating a parallel digital health platform. At least in the in the example you shared, it really is integrated. Is that right? It's absolutely integrated. Yes. So it's integrated into. Um, into our Epic platform, it's a it's a layer on top of 
our existing Epic platform, it writes back into the, the patient's medical record. It enables um, providers, it, you know, the sharing of information across a given patient, regardless of where they access care. So if they access it via the, um, the clinic, the virtual visit, the at home, it all gets written back into the same record. And it is a it is an augmented service that um, that is built into sort of the foundational elements of the health system. And that's where we get a lot of the value and where patients have a much, you know, tying it all together, patients have a much better experience that way. And so you, you mentioned again a couple of minutes ago something about moving the needle. And, and, and I, I hear your point that this is not a sort of a novelty innovation in a corner somewhere. This is really the mainstream of care. It is uh, viable from a clinical perspective and viable from a, a financial business perspective. Um, what what needles are you trying to move or have you moved? So, you know, and I'm thinking about, you know, productivity, access, you know, are, are you are you tracking that or is the is the uh, business unit, uh, let's say primary care or on-demand care, are they tracking those as you as you as you put it, as you integrate digital health and, and deploy it? Yes, so we have a number of metrics that we track, and we've worked really closely with our business partners um, in our in our physician uh, services organization to to come to a shared dashboard around that. Um, but we track we track just the the sheer number of visits um, on these different um, within these different platforms. Uh, and sorry, I shouldn't really say platforms. What I should say is within these different components of the product suite. Um, so we track visits, we track, um, and, and we're actually on track to do over 120,000 um, visits this year across all three of those modalities that I mentioned. Uh, we also are going to have an increasing focus on how we're shifting um, offline volumes to online volumes over time um, through, uh, through just the training of our patient base and our consumer base to use these um, alternative modalities of care. And, um, and, and so we track that. We also have looked at the mix of patients. So originally our ex, you know, uh, express care was designed to be an access, um, an alternative access uh, mechanism for commercially insured patients um, and we have strategically deployed our clinics in those locations that um, we could serve our commercially insured populations much more effectively. Um, so we have about uh, 80%, 70 to 80% of our express care users are commercially insured. And the reason for that is that they are more often the folks who are online already with us. So as you mentioned earlier, you know, um, most of our lives are uh, in some way conducted on online already, and we're simply offering that same sort of online mechanism to folks that, um, for, from a health services standpoint, for folks who are already online and transacting and doing things online in other parts of their lives, like travel or banking. Um, but so we have about you know 70 to 80 percent of our patients um, that come in through Express Care are commercially insured, and we track that. We also track new patients into the system um, because this fundamentally is about being there for for the entire population and, and bringing in bringing in new folks. Um, so 
we, we, we track that and, and monitor against it. We also track conversion into primary care. So um, not just being there for patients on an episodic basis, but then also being there for them on an ongoing basis. Um, and, and, and so those, those types of things are things that we're working on um, in close partnership with our physician services organization already. Going forward, we're also going to be looking at, now how do we take these things that we've built and, um, and repurpose them and tweak them appropriately to much more effectively care for our Medicaid and underserved populations. We're the, one of the largest providers of um, Medicaid um, services. We have a huge footprint of Medicaid patients and we, we care for a lot of uh, low-income, uh, vulnerable populations. And um, you know, uh, inconvenience disproportionately impacts folks who are who are lower income or who are vulnerable, and we are looking at how do we take what we've built and um, and repurpose it for them so that we can we can serve them better as well. Well, I'm really I'm really uh, really encouraged and and very pleased to hear you uh, mention that about the Medicaid Medicaid and under un, underserved population, and I. I can see why you wouldn't necessarily start there, but the, as you say, you're adapting for that population because um, there's such, as you know, and I'm sure you're aware, and, and it sounds like Providence Health is, is deeply aware uh, and serving this, this segment of our population, which is growing and is actually quite significant in terms of size and need. Um, so the fact that you're doing that is, uh, you know, again, I, I applaud that and, and you should be recognized for that. Uh, and I understand, you know, the idea of going to the commercial population because you're saying, well, look, here's the segment that they're already using this. And, and I actually think that's a really helpful point to hear because what I hear a lot is, well, we're, we're, we're building these digital health tools and these virtual tools, but no one's using them or, or the, you know, the, the customers or patients are not ready for them. And, and yet, to, to, to my mind, that, that seems counterintuitive and, and, you know, just doesn't jive with the observation and literature I've read. I mean, the number of people over the last you know four or five years that have converted to smartphones is is phenomenal. I mean, the vast majority of the population, and literally less than the last five to seven years, it's turned from a small percentage to to the majority. And so, I think there are, are profound shifts in uh, in our in our in our population uh, in the United States, but across the globe in terms of of using, uh, as you say, being online and using uh, digital and, and smartphone type of devices. And also, I would say the other shift is just the shift to being very consumerist minded. Uh, one author I recently read talked about the Generation C, the generation of the consumer, which spans across demographics and including age. And it's, it's not just, you know, millennials and people younger than that, but it's, it's you know, people, um, uh, the baby boomers and, and, and that population and older even that are really using this modality. And so... Uh, I, I guess my, it sounds like your experience is that in fact, the consumers, the patients are already there and we're catching up to them. Is that, is, is that uh, am I overstating that or do you think that's, how, how do you see that? You no, know, in some ways that's absolutely right. Um, uh, so Google, for instance, has 50 million, I believe, healthcare related searches per day. Um, and. A, a huge number of uh, 
searches online, period, are healthcare related. So folks are online looking for looking for answers, looking for, um, you know, what's wrong with me? What is this rash? You know, <laughs> like uh, where do I need to go? How do I how do I access care? They're already there doing that. And in some ways, we are we're simply playing catch up. In some other ways, though, you know, we we have to deliver a better like actual product experience to them. And um, that's actually the first step of our digital strategy is to deliver a 10x better experience online as opposed to offline. And we do that by um, and, and we, we're doing that in order to change behavior because it's very deeply ingrained. You know, folks have been trained over time, especially in healthcare, that, um, you know, you call your doctor's office and make an appointment and wait three weeks and then go in when, when they're ready to see you. And we're re we have to retrain folks through a really, really great experience that they have online that they can access care differently. Um, and that, that 10x better experience is what's required to change behavior. And once we do that, then we earn the right to continue to interact with them and transact with them online. And um, that's the second um, step of our digital strategy, which is once we've delivered the 10x better experience, um, then we, in, we kind of engage with them on an ongoing um, basis through personalized experiences where um, content, products, and services are served up to folks um, that are relevant to them and at the right time in the right way and, and, um, and use that to build a lasting relationship over time. When we can do those things in sequence, first earn the right through a 10x better experience, then engage on an ongoing basis, we can deliver much more cost-effective um, healthcare. We, we build that connection that enables us to um, better manage population health, improve outcomes, reduce cost um, at scale. So, you know, this is mind-blowing. I, I, I've talked about this idea that um, these shifts, this reframing of healthcare is, um, is patient-centered care on steroids. I like your more quantitative approach, this idea to deliver a 10x uh, better experience. So uh, where, where did that phrase come from? Did, did, you, uh, did you guys create that? Or is that something kind of in the culture that you're in in digital health? Is it been written about? I'm, I'm just curious because I, I find that to be mind-blowing, right? We, we talk about incrementally improving patient experience. Uh, and, and I don't even know that we're really talking yet about patient engagement across healthcare. But your, your, your 10x is just, I mean, it's like a moonshot thought for me or concept. Could you, could you elaborate on that? Sure, and I, I wish we could take credit for it, but it's a common, um, it's it's a very common idea in um, in technology and in consumer products. Um, Amazon, for instance, uh, always focuses on what's right for the customer and how do they deliver a 10x better experience. Um, you know, PayPal and um, the folks who have started a lot, who who started a lot of the big um, online companies all focus on that 10x better experience. And that's really rooted in um, making a transition to digital. So uh, so I wish we could say I could say that we came up with it. But but it's a um, but it's it's a pretty pervasive notion um, throughout throughout um, 
industries that have made that transformation to to digital already and have um, you know sort of needed to uh, needed to change human behavior from what folks were accustomed to doing to this new way of doing things. Got it. I got it. That that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for for explaining that. What uh, what are you as you go through your weeks and months and you kind of look back and, and you're asked to speak and what are the um, what are, what is the story or stories that you're most proud of the projects or initiatives that you feel boy these are really these are just wow projects I really am so proud of this piece of work or this and I know you mentioned one already which sounds fantastic the way you've integrated digital health uh, into this on-demand care urgent care and, and home uh, at home service what other does something pop into your mind as, as really cool that you're just you're just so proud of the work again along the lines of what you said the 10x better experience what's right for the customer or patient uh, and I, I can't take credit for these but I think we have a couple we have a lot of really great examples um, one of our product teams is called the Consumer Innovation Group, and they function somewhat like a consumer incubator. And they are they are really focused on the that second part of the digital strategy that I mentioned, the engagement piece through personalized um, health experiences. They've developed a um, a women's health platform called Circle, um, and it it's Circle by Providence or Circle by Swedish, and they've actually white labeled this um, this service to other health systems as well. Um, this platform to other health systems, and Circle is the mechanism by which we engage women um, in their health and the health in their of their families, um, because they are you know the chief medical officer of their families and control roughly 90% of healthcare spend, um, and. Circle uh, started out a couple of years ago when we launched it, um, when the team launched it, they started out as a um, essentially like a, um, your doctor in your pocket or like your what to expect when you're expecting focused on moms um, or expectant moms and baby. And um, when they developed this, this, um, this platform, they spent uh, they took a lot of consumer best practices and talked with customers around like, what do you really, what do you really need? What's, what do you wish you had that you don't? And they did the same with providers and came up with, um, with Circle as a mobile application. You can, anybody out there can download it if they like. Um, it's available on the app store. It's available. Um, you know, you can, you can just download it and you can, and and it integrates with our um, electronic medical record and um, through the electronic medical record integration can actually be personalized to the woman who is um, who has downloaded it. And it's just a phenomenal way by which we um, engage with with our with our women um, consumers between episodes of care. So rather than just focusing on the transactions, we give folks the content and the information and the trackers and all of the other useful things that they need between episodes to manage their their health and the health of their families. And it's it's just been it's been an enormous success. The um, the engagement rates are. 3x greater than most other um, comparable like mobile apps out there, and um, and it's been a it's been a huge boon to our patients, but also to our providers who have said, you know, you really took 
the pressure off of my patient because they were stressed out and looking on looking at Dr. Google and getting freaked out about every um, bizarre thing that could possibly be happening. Um, but you gave them everything that they needed um, to feel like secure in managing their health and the health of their kids. So, so Circle has been an ex extraordinary example of um, a success that, um, that the consumer innovation group um, within our team has developed. Um, Why, another, wait, wait, oh, I'm sorry, you, go ahead. No, no, before you jump, there's so, I, I, there's so much good there. I, I don't wanna leave this one before we go to the next one. What, uh, why did you call it Circle? Uh, you know, I think it's uh, it's tied to the notion of like it wraps around you and 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 kind of gives you all of the all of the wraparound that you need. I could I would have to go back and ask our team to make sure that I'm not misspeaking, but I, I believe that's what it is. And and could you give a, an example of what uh, what service or offering a specific example, like how a woman uh, or a mother would use this and. I mean, you're you're a woman. Do you have you downloaded the app and do you use it? Um, and you may not need to, but just what 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 what? How does it make a woman's life uh, from a health perspective better? So what it has specifically is um, one. It's just content that is tailored to. So I, I, I have downloaded it and I play with it quite a bit, although I don't actually need it. But um, but it provides content like if I had a. Uh, a son or daughter, and I had info, input their information in here. It would know by you know your um, your son Alex is a year and a half old, and here's the things that you need to be doing right now. You should make sure that you um, you know you're reading to your child regularly, um, and it, it gives it gives content. So there's like a learning. A library. There's also to-do lists, like um, you know, taking your child in for wellness visits and being vigilant about choking hazards and things like that. And then there are trackers, like a diaper tracker or a feeding tracker or a vaccine tracker. So all of these things, it's basically just all of the relevant information that patients need, or pardon me, that moms need, so that they don't feel like they're doing it alone, but they've got their doctor there with them every step of the way. And does it connect to, it sounds uh, like a lot of it is uh, self-help, it's, or it's, you know, um, you know, do it yourself with these guides and, 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 and enablers and assists, but is, this, is, is part of Circle also connecting with a provider, coach, nurse, navigator, et cetera? Absolutely. So it does, um, there is, there is um, telelactation support in there for new moms. There's also just the ability to directly interact with your provider built in right into the app. Wow, I, I can see, uh, as a physician, I understand this, but as a, as a father and a husband, I understand the value of this because I think you're right, the kind of the loneliness of, you know, what do I do? Am I doing it right? Am I forgetting things? So to have this sort of with you, I could understand the circle concept. Um, it sounds like it would be a great value add for uh, for for uh, parents and for mothers in particular. Um, from a and I could see how a physician, whether it be an OB/GYN, pediatrician, family medicine person, would also value this uh, care 
so-called in-between care perhaps, but it really is where life is happening and where health is being generated. Does it, have you, have you seen, uh, and, and you may not have measured this yet, but in terms of outcomes of care improving, cost, you know, ED utilization, how, how, have, how has, has this been measured in, in those sort of metrics we look at from a population health and quality cost perspective? Yeah, so we're right. We're in the process of doing the outcomes research right now, and these products are all pretty young. So everything that we've built, you know, Express Care has been around for uh, a couple of years. Uh, Circle, I believe, launched a year and a half ago officially. So, so we're still it's still pretty young, and and the outcomes research is underway. Um, what we do know that from a business standpoint, it has helped us build a much closer connection with mom, and we've we um, we've measured that through um, what we call pediatric retention. So, uh, women who have their babies at one of our hospitals are um, keeping their children with our pediatricians at a much higher rate than they were before the app. Well, that's a that's a huge uh, selling point from uh, to provider groups. The fact that the uh, the moms who are giving birth are staying with your pediatricians rather than going to other pediatricians outside of your domain. That sounds like in yep. and of itself would be valuable to uh, to a provider group or a large integrated group. What um, you were going you were you were excited to mention uh, another another uh, success. Uh, I didn't want to slow you down there. What else were you thinking about? Oh sure, yeah. So another example of what's what's worked really well has, um, is a company that we actually spun out called Zelf, and Zelf was the um, was a company that or is a company that came from um, our entrepreneur in residence program. So we we actually had. Um, a group of very experienced entrepreneurs who came over from uh, Swipe, which is a mobile um, uh, keyboard, uh, you know, uh, like um, uh, just a key, like for uh, cell phones, uh, for smartphones. It's a um, they came over from Swipe, um, led by a gentleman named Mike McSherry, um, and he and his um, his management team came over to work with us, um, and they developed Zelf, which is essentially a digital prescription engine that's built directly into the Epic workflow. And, um, and what it enables provider, the problem they were solving was, you know, pr our providers were saying, hey, there's all these great digital applications or platforms out there, but I can't readily or, you know, sort of easily get them into the hands of my patients who, um, who would really be able to use them. And, um, and if I do get it into their hands, I don't know if they're actually using it. So, so the team has developed within the Epic workflow a mechanism by which providers can just go ahead and prescribe, let's say, a diabetes um, management app. And then they can track whether the patient downloaded it, whether they've been using it, and it's all there for the provider. So it's an engagement tool for the provider. Um, and um, and they spun out of Providence about seven or eight months ago. Actually, at the beginning of the of 2017, so um, about nine months ago, and um, and secured a round of seed funding, their first round of funding, a couple months later. They've been doing um, interesting things like 
prescribing advanced care planning materials or even prescri um, prescribing rides to Medicaid patients for the first appointment of the day. So things, you know, sort of thinking about things differently um, and engaging providers in that process and, and also serving patients better through, through getting those tools that they need in their hands. It, it sounds to me, uh, boy, I'm, I'm, I'm finding this to be a mind bender in a good way, but it sounds to me like they've really reframed uh, this idea of, of prescription. So it's, it's not about, uh, it's not just about medications, but if you think about so much of what, you know, we so-called prescribe is around information or other activities that are just important, you know, as important, if you can't get to where you need to get to, uh, you know, that's, that's just as important, if not more important than a medication. And so, so it's, it's interesting. I'm very curious as to it sounds like they've taken a conceptual frame of, and a reference um, and a solution set from the swipe activity that they were engaged in and really brought it over into healthcare. And so uh, it's, it feels to me like there's a lot more to dig there to find out what Zelf's conceptual framework is. I'm, I'm really curious about them. I, I would love to, uh, maybe uh, offline or online, you could get me in touch with the Zelf uh, colleagues of yours. I would love to talk to them and, and that might be a, a conversation in and of itself. But do you have a sense of the, of the kind of conceptual, you know, it's almost like a meme or a, you know, conceptual you know, virus that they've injected into healthcare. Do, do you have a sense of that? I mean, I, I know you've, you've explained it somewhat, but I'm, I'm still, it feels like there's more there to, there's more meat on those bones. Oh, there's definitely more there, and, and Mike McSherry and the team can certainly provide a level of depth that I cannot. But the fundamental notion of um, um, being able to prescribe applications gets to um, a model that other technology companies, in particular like Amazon, have used, where we don't have to build everything ourselves, there's a lot of value out there already in third-party applications, and Zelf is the mechanism by which we can readily integrate with those and bring them into our ecosystem and deliver them to our patients and providers. So the notion of third-party, like a third-party um, integrator is, is or application marketplace they're not they're not a marketplace but that's that's kind of the idea I, I think the word that comes to mind is is curation and um, and and that probably means different things to different people but I think one of the frames of and you just articulated it I think very well one of the frames outside of healthcare is this notion that um, there, there is a value proposition in 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 merely curating, things that already exist out there, products or services, because so much of the challenge from a consumer perspective is figuring out, you know, where to access things, what things to access, how to compare them, how do you know it's been curated, which means it's, you know, it's it's got some level of someone who knows something about this saying this is this is good, this works good for this, this other thing works good for that. So it's gotten to the point where even curating curations is actually now marketable. And of, and of tremendous value. So at least one of the things I'm gleaning from you is this notion of uh, curated sites or curated, curated services that, that Swipe is bringing into healthcare. Is, is that, am I on track with you? Am I tracking you? 
Yeah, though the only thing I would say is that the Dizelf team isn't curating the content themselves. What they're doing is working with providers, and so in partnership with our providers um, to determine, you know, what are the things that providers feel are most useful to their patients, as opposed to the Zelf team deciding, which um, which doesn't make a lot of sense. No, I, I completely agree with you, and I, I wasn't even thinking that. And, and it, it actually goes back to the point, you know, we were talking about earlier on, which is the fact that you know, this cannot be done without providers, right? You need the expertise. I mean, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want um, a non-clinician or let's say a surgeon, you know, curating or advising which sites we should use for infectious disease apps. You know, uh, I would want an infectious disease expert. The same thing for, you know, pregnancy apps, um, you know, and, you know, uh, prenatal, postnatal, you'd want an OB-GYN or a pediatrician. So there is a wonderful example of a curation that involves technologists and, um, and, and uh, clinical experts. So um, exactly. I, I just, I, I love it. Um, what, what um, you know, in the few minutes remaining, what, boy, two questions, but let me ask this one first. What challenges, um, you know, in, in terms of the boulders, the pebbles in your shoe, what, you know, you clearly that you have a vision for and, and a great understanding of digital health and you're doing some great work, you and your colleagues. And um, what's, what are the challenges in doing this? And, you know, real challenges uh, in, in moving this forward, what's slowing it down? What, what would you like to see change perhaps if you had a wish list of, boy, if we could get these out of the way or change this, this would really allow us to, to, to really help people and move this forward. So what, what, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I think that we've still got a lot of work to do on a couple of dimensions. One is the really clear articulation of how we scale um, digital solutions. And, um, and I don't think we've quite figured that out. Uh, we, we've got a lot of work to do to, um, to, to figure out the, um, how do we go from, from this notion of lean innovation to actual enterprise scale with it, keeping in mind that the end goal is moving the needle, which we cannot do unless we scale. So, and I, so I think that's a big, that's a big, um, uh, body of work that, we will be focusing on in 2018. Um, and then a big part of that is another, uh, another um, piece that we need to continue to work on is, uh, is communication with our, the rest of our organization and transparency um, to, drive, uh, to drive collaboration and to, in, to some extent culture change. Um, you know, we do we we do things a little bit differently. We think about things a little bit differently. But there, we the the organization, and I would say that any digital organization or any organization shifting toward digital really um, needs to bridge that gap between what's how things are currently being done, um, how they may transform over time. And how do how does digital fit into the picture, um, and the cultural and people and process elements that that drive some of that? We still need to work mm -hmm. through. Yeah, it sounds like the transition is is challenging, which is not 
and I think you you alluded to this before, it's not different than the transition that the the digital world in general, the tech world in general, has had to go through. To, and, and as you point out before, this whole concept of the 10x better experience is part of that. If it's if it's not 10x, if you you know you don't have the catalytic activity to really get people over that hump, or it's it, it'll take a lot longer, I would imagine. Exactly. What um, what? You know, I've been asking you questions and 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 firing them at you because there's just so much that I I want to learn from you and and share with our listeners. What um, what am I missing? What would you, you know, if you were telling me, oh, you know, I were talking afterwards, you say, hey, Zeb, you should have asked this question because this is really, you know, at the heart of it. Am I, am I? I'm sure I'm missing lots, but what what's what's sort of a burning issue or a hot topic or some part of this that we haven't touched upon? Um. I guess the one, the one idea I would want to put out there is that uh, this isn't a nice to have. Um, what what we need to do as a health, as a as an industry, uh, this is an imperative. Um, it's an existential imperative to the future of healthcare providers, but more importantly, it's an imperative for how do we actually serve people better. Um, and, um, and we, you know, there are technology companies out there that are, that are getting into healthcare and, um, providers need to work together, um, to, uh, ensure that we can, we can still serve our, our patients now, you know, not just now, but in 25 years from now, um, and really own those relationships um, in a meaningful way. Uh, our com- our competition isn't each other; it's it's the Apples and the Amazons of the world, um, and they're they can also be great partners. And um, and we just need to we need to start thinking about that a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, Collectively, that's a very wonderful, wonderfully stated, um, actually quite eloquent um, uh, perspective. And I love your phrase, uh, "existential imperative." I I think it can mean two things, and I, I think you you were implying, if not outright stating, that um, if we in in the healthcare world, in the legacy healthcare. Pr- provider side and maybe you know other parts of healthcare as well if we want to stay relevant uh and and maintain our customers and patient base we're going to really have to um uh you know uh get in this game so it, it is as you put it not a nice it's a must have or must do um and so that's one part of it i, I think and I, I don't think it's overstated at all i think you're right um there is a corollary question I'll, I'll i'll ask you about that but the other part of it when you say existential imperative and the second definition could actually mean from a patient perspective because yes. you know and a population perspective and an employer perspective and a financial perspective the costs of care are uh just so high uh both in the US uh where it's you know one of the top causes for personal and family bankruptcy it's uh, you know, Warren Buffett has called healthcare the tapeworm of corporate America. Um, it, it is uh, rapidly becoming the biggest ticket item for families and corporations. 
you know, the WHO, the World Health Organization, has predicted that by somewhere before 2030, 50 percent of global work product is going to be just to, for, to pay for health care costs. I mean, this is absolutely not sustainable in terms of a future. Um, we will become indentured servants to serve some, some to pay for our health care bills. Clearly not the future that we, we would want or can have. And so I think um, when you say existential imperative, I see it in the second definition as well, where we as a society, um, if we're going to not just survive but thrive, we have to figure some way to improve care, improve access, um, and lower costs dramatically. And, and I think the digital health offers that, as we've seen in, in other domains of industry. Do you, uh, am I inflecting, is that a definition that you would keep in your mind, or do, does that make sense to you? It definitely does. I think imperatives, um, it goes many different directions. Um, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, it, and and digital uh, isn't the isn't the only thing. It's a as I, I think I mentioned at the beginning, it's an augmentation and a way one way by which we can we can do this um, in a in an effective way, um, effective and efficient way. So I, I absolutely agree with you. What you know when you talk about the these iconic huge players, uh, and there are many of them, right? Uh, Amazon is one, Facebook, IBM, Intel, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Google, Microsoft, the list goes on and on. Uh, huge resources, uh, have the best and brightest minds in the world, uh, and not to say uh, that the hundreds if not thousands of startups with also just absolutely brilliant people uh, coming out of uh, some just de novo uh, doing this work and some coming out of the best uh, grad schools in the country uh, armed with the you know cutting edge engineering and, and programming capabilities and artificial intelligence and whatnot. So the question is, and I know you've thought about this, where does this belong? I mean, you know, is this, can we do this together? Can this be embedded in a group like Providence? And you guys are clearly, you know, making a case for it day to day in your work. Uh, or is this something that, you know, is this going to come from the outside? Is it going to be the these new entrants? You know, I was just reading that, you know, Amazon has a somewhat secret shop uh, devoted, uh, mm -hmm. right? It was like 1492, A1492 it's called, and uh, working on healthcare. Uh, although it can't be that secret because I know about it. But um uh, if I know about it, guaranteed it's not secret. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, but uh, Apple uh, again, uh, you know, leaked out that they've been looking at purchasing uh, provider groups and uh, all these. I mean, there's there's no secret. Every one of them has has uh, you know verticals in, in healthcare. Uh, Google uh, being incredibly now well known for this in multiple ways. Uh, I, you know, I can name half a dozen different endeavors in healthcare that uh, that Google's, you know, from uh, their CityBlock uh, venture uh, to uh, to their, you know, uh, AI ventures, and 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 so, you know, do you, you know, where do you see this? Because you're you're in it. I mean, you're you're on the battlefield. You're you know you're on the field to play. Um, do you see this as you know coming from outside, coming from inside, requiring you know? Do you have a strong feeling about it or sense of it? Um, I, I don't think it's either or. I, I, I ultimately think that there are enough challenges to go around 
and the best way and the most efficient and effective and frankly the fastest way is if we all do it together. And I, I think that that's um, it's not Pollyanna-ish. It's actually a, a, a real possibility. And as I mentioned before, we can, you know, in some from some angles, Apple and Amazon and and Google and Facebook can be our they are our future competition, but they can also be amazing partners. They have enormous scale with consumers. They have very tight relationships, and they really know how to work um, and how to how to um, interact with people and engage with them uh, in a number of different ways, both online and offline. It's it's really quite extraordinary, and I, I think we can all we all we can all do it together if we kind of shift our thinking. Um, versus like is to not be in us versus them kind of mentality well I, I i subscribe to that and i and i i actually uh i i like your perspective a lot i support it let me uh let me uh shift gears as we as we you know wrap up our conversation and um let me ask you a question i try to um introduce a semi-personal question into the conversation because I, I find that it's, you know, this is about people and, you know, you and your colleagues are people, you know, coming to work each and every day and, um, you know, bringing everything you have, uh, you know, uh, into into your work, who you are and what you're about. You're, you're relatively, uh, although steeped in this work, still relatively new to it. It's not like you've been doing this for 30 years. Um, and, um, what, what do you think from your perspective are your qualities that may not be so obvious to others, uh, or even to yourself, uh, that you bring to this work that you think are important for this particular work and all its myriad facets? What, what about you makes you good at doing this? Oh boy! <laughs> you can take. I'll give you. I'll give you a second. I'll stall for you first. <laughs> I I know the answer's there. You don't have to think about it. It's there somewhere. It's it's a question of digging down deep and and. But you know, it's a real question. I mean, it's. And by the way, I've never asked anyone that question before because it. Um, these questions come as I'm listening to, to whoever I'm speaking with. Um, there's something about you and something about the way. You approach this work that that made me ask that question in that way, and so you know I'm I am really quite honestly it's a genuine question. Um, I'm curious about about what you bring to the work, and you know I've I've heard your colleague uh, you know colleagues that you work with talk about the work you do, so I know I know you're you're uh, admired and respected in this domain. So it's not just my opinion, but uh, about that part. But so, what is it about you? Uh, I actually, so I, um, I actually don't have to think about it at all. Um, there, I think there's two things. Um, the first is resilience, um, and um, any any time change is required, I think resilience is required, and. Um, that is something that I bring that um, helps me persist, even when we hit challenges and roadblocks over and over. And I imagine, you know, folks in 
Washington DC have to have that same resilience, you know, as we have on as they have ongoing policy debates or um, you know, any any sort of any sort of um, non-steady state uh, uh, environment requires a level of resilience that I, I think I personally bring um, to what I do. Uh, and then the other is like unwavering and um, commitment to what's best for our patients. Uh, I and it may sound cliche, but um, not a an hour goes by in the day when I don't remind myself of that. Um, that what we are doing, uh, regardless of how hard it might be personally or how hard it might be to you know to achieve organizational change and get folks on board and and seek alignment where there may not be some or whatever, you know, whatever that might look like. Um, it's, it's easier to forge ahead when the, the needs of the individuals that we're working for, for um, and though it's the patients, right? I don't work for, I work for Providence, but I don't work for Providence, you know, <laughs> um, that, that helps with that resilience as well. Well, that was, uh, that was a really, um, it sounds like a very truthful and authentic response. And I believe it in listening to you. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, I hear your resilience and, and very much hear your, your, uh, your devotion to, uh, to, to patients first and foremost. I, I wish it were more cliche. Uh, I, I, you know, I think we would, uh, as a society, uh, and as a healthcare system, be ahead. In fact, if more uh, more of us were like uh, like you and your colleagues, so I, I am so grateful, uh, Sara, for having this opportunity to speak with you and and to share it with others. I um, I'm excited actually to get this uh, podcast out there and for folks to uh, hear it. Um, I want to thank you uh, so much and. Uh, uh, and um, want to thank our listeners who uh, who are out there, uh, like Sauer, doing the hard work each and every day. And um, I know that uh, you know you also, uh, all of you, uh, have to uh, have that kind of resilience Sauer was talking about, as well as the uh, I know the folks that are listening to the, this podcast for sure are very very mission driven. And so I uh, just want to thank you for. Uh, sticking with this, listening to this podcast on creating a new health care. And until uh, next time, wishing you all a good health and good living. Thank you. And Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure.